No doubt you've heard the story of the couple who was married for years and fought for years. Uh, Every day, every week, it seemed like they were fussing at each other. They would fuss and argue, and their adult children just got tired of it one day and eventually talked them into go to see their pastor for some marriage counsel. Uh, On the day of their appointment with the pastor, um, they showed up at the pastor's office and they started fighting in the waiting room and kept fighting all the way until the pastor's office. Uh, After a few minutes in the office, he finally got them to stop. When he walked around, the pastor walked around from behind his desk and planted the biggest kiss on the wife's lips. In stunned silence, the couple just looked at the pastor as he returned to his chair and sat down. The pastor said, now, sir, that's what your wife needs, and she needs it three times a week. And after a second, the husband thought and said, well, good, I'll bring her in Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. He he didn't get it, did he? His story, like so many marriages, seem to be in such difficulties because they've lost focus on someone or something which at a time was precious and special and they'd begun to take that person or that thing for granted. In so many ways in our lives, we get in trouble when we take the remarkable, breathtaking, compelling truths of all that we have in Christ and we get distracted. We, 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 get a, we set our perspective from them, and these things sometimes can even become routine and, and boring. Uh, think about the message this morning that we heard from Pastor. Were you encouraged? Were you encouraged? I know I was. And what was so encouraging? It was because Pastor brought one of the most precious things that we could consider, the cross of Christ and the gospel. And he brought that truth powerfully right before us. And really, the only thing that matters is the one thing Paul sought to know. And that is Jesus Christ and him crucified. And it's easy for us to get our perspective off of that. And so tonight, it brings us to our message Nothing new in the sermon tonight. It's really based on 23 words in my New American Standard Bible. But I pray that the few minutes that we have together tonight will be a powerful reminder of an important truth that can make all the difference for you this week as you live for Christ. The truth is is summed up with, if I could make the statement, it would simply be this, seeing and savoring God's awesome provision to us is our greatest need, and it is what will sustain us this week, seeing and savoring God's provision for you and me as believers. I speak to a group tonight that I assume are people who have trusted the Lord Jesus Christ for their salvation. If you have never come to that point in your life, I pray tonight that you will hear the truth of who God is and and what he's like and turn and trust Christ alone. But I know on a Sunday night that it's probably a group of believers that I talk to. And it's possible that you've been saved for years and you have allowed your focus to shift from those things that are truly important. 
at the end of most of our Sunday services, our, our pastors provide a benediction. A benediction is, is that which we would seek to ask for a blessing, to believe God's promise for his people and ask God to do it in our lives. That's what we seek to do as we give a benediction. In it, we seek to use God's word and its promise to convey our desire for God's work in our church family. In your life as a believer, in my life, it's really a pastor's prayer and hope for those that we know and love. And so tonight, I'd like us to consider just one of these benedictions in God's word. It's Trinitarian. It's, it's amazing in its, in its, its, its employment of each person of the Godhead. It's highlighted. And each person of the Godhead's work is described in its awesome nature. And God is entreated that, it, it might, that he might work in our lives. It's powerful. And so if you would turn with me to 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 13. The very last verse is where I would like us to look tonight, but we'll ramp into it starting at verse number 11. So 2 Corinthians 13, and verse number 11. It's Paul's greeting and benediction. Verse 11 says, Finally, brethren, rejoice, be made complete, be comforted, be like-minded, live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the saints greet you. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And with that, Paul finishes his words, his inspired words to the church at Corinth. What's the context? Well, it's the last verse of the second book that we have in our Bible to the Corinthians. Paul has written many things to the Corinthians and pastors helping us to see them even on Sunday mornings as we're, we're beginning that book. What do you know about the Corinthians? They were saints, they were saved, they were believers, and yet there was a lot of issues in the church. A lot of things Paul could say. And as he wraps up everything he's gonna say to them in the books that he's written, he boils it down to these 23 words in my New American Standard Bible. And he sums it all up with his, his wish, his benediction, his prayer for them. And of all the things he could have said, what does he say? He brings them back to who God is. And understand that we have to think right about who God is if we're going to live right for God as believers in the world today. He boils it down to these 23 words. And look, if you will, at the end of the verse, it says, after he describes God in his work, he says, be with you all. God, be with them, okay? Be with you all. As I was studying this verse in 2 Corinthians 13, 14, I thought, what does that mean when he says, be with you? I can remember as a student in the high school, as we began each class in the high school, we'd pray. And many times the students would lead in a prayer, something along the lines of, Lord, be with somebody. And I can remember teachers saying, don't be mindless as you say that. Uh, God's always with people and, and just challenge us not to be mindless about that. And I was starting to think, well, maybe that was a bad prayer, but it's not because 
Paul prays it here in his benediction that, that God would do something with them. And we look at that and we think, isn't, isn't Paul doing the same thing? Lord be with you all. God's always with them. Well, what does it mean? Well, it's interesting. It's interesting. And I, I was reading an article by Piper this week as I prepared for this. If you email me, I'll send you the article. But he talks about how in all of Paul's epistles, as he writes, many times he starts with grace to you and ends with grace with you. In fact, hold your finger here and go to 2 Corinthians chapter one. Notice how Paul opens up the book in verse two of 2 Corinthians one, he says, grace, what? What's the preposition? Grace to you and peace from God, our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So it's grace to you. And many times, if you look through the New Testament, see Paul's epistles, he starts with grace to you. And if you go back to the last chapter, 2 Corinthians, the last verse, he says, grace, in essence, grace be with you. And, and what's he doing there? Well, it's interesting as you just think about that. I think Paul is, is beginning with the grace to you as he's opening his book and the revelation and the gathering where they would hear God's word and saying, here's God's grace to you. And he describes God's grace as he un unpacks the book. He then comes to the end of the book and he wraps it all up and he says, now having understood these things, may God's grace be with you as you now leave the assembly where you've heard the reading of the word and live for God in the world. Interesting idea. And it's, 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 it's just, it's, it's an interesting thought that really what Paul is wishing and praying for the believers, he's, he's, he's saying that you know you've heard the grace of God and now take this with you. May God in his, with his presence help you to understand how this then applies in your life as you live each day. God's certainly always with us, but the grace that they were to take with them was the grace that would sustain them and help them in the, in, the, in the very issues they faced in their life. Isn't that what we need? You know, the best part of Sunday is what? Being here with believers, man, we're singing songs. We just sang songs tonight about how God loves us and we ought to love him and his amazing grace to us. And uh, we calibrate ourselves. And then on Monday morning, it's like we get you know, hit in the face, right? with the real world, if we can say it that way. And we need God's sustaining grace to go with us as we face the circumstances of, of, of our lives. And that's my prayer for me, for you, that as we've gathered today to hear God's grace, that we would take God's grace by his spirit with us as we face the challenges of, of life. And that's what we really need. Paul's prayer, and my prayer for you is that these incredible truths would carry you along as you go from here into the world this week. And whatever you face, that you would know in an experience of an ever-increasing way that God would be working in your life. So, again, it says, verse 14, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of his Holy Spirit be with you all that we would experience this in our everyday walk this week. So here's what we'll do. Let's, we're just gonna do two things. We're gonna look at how God has shown us his provision. And then we're gonna ask ourselves, so how should we respond to that? How do we then respond 
to what we learn about God. We see God the Son, God the Father, God the Spirit. There's truth, and we'll look at that. And then we simply say, so how do we respond to that, having understood what we know about these truths? So I simply say this, let's see, first of all, God's awesome provision for us. God has provided for us. And, and, and Paul, he, he conveys that with each, each person of the Godhead and their activity. God has provided for us. Number one, he's provided for us. How has he provided for us? Well, it says in verse 14, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. God has graced us. We are graced by Christ. What is God's grace? It's his kindness to us. It's his help for us. We could think of his enablement. Have you been graced by Jesus Christ? Yeah, you bet we have. In Christ, we've been graced. And that's what Pastor mentioned this morning. It all centers on Christ's work and what he's done. He's graced us. We think of God's grace as his kindness, his provision, his enablement. So let's think about some verses that teach us how God's graced us. Can you think of some? I thought about having a mic and having you read these things and, and interact with me. I thought they'd keep you a little bit awake on a Sunday night, but I know some of you are listening to the Lions game, so you're awake anyway, all right? So uh, don't, don't be expressing anything if you know the score. Okay? But let's think about some verses that, that teach us God's grace. Can you think of some in your mind? Well, I, I think the one that just jumps off my mind is 2 Corinthians 8, 9. It says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that through his poverty you might become rich. Christ has graced us by providing salvation for us. Think about the same kind of thing in his grace when it says in Ephesians 2, for by, by, by grace you've been saved through faith. It's not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not as a result of works that no one would boast for. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus, which God has prepared beforehand that we do walk in them. So Christ has graced us by providing salvation. Christ has graced us by providing sustaining grace. Sustaining grace. What verse do you think of? Second Corinthians, maybe, 12.9. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Christ has graced us by giving us sustaining grace. We've been graced by Christ because we're enabled for service. Ephesians 4, 7, to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. Today, have you served God in the context of this church? Maybe it was a speaking gift. Maybe it was a serving gift. Who gave you that ability? Who's enabled you for that? Christ. Okay, that's his grace to you. Saved. Sustained. Grace for service. Listen to this one in 2 Timothy 2.1. You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. What kind of grace is that? It's strengthening grace for trial and trouble and service. We're graced by Christ by being strengthened by grace. And I wrote this one down. We're, we suffer with eternal hope. We suffer, and in our suffering, we have hope. 
because it says in 2 Thessalonians 2, 16 and 17, now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who has loved us and given us eternal comfort and good hope by grace, comfort and strengthen your heart in every good work and word. We suffer. And there are folks in our congregation who are in the middle of trials right now that are crushing them, their body they're crushing. But because of their faith in Christ, the sustaining grace, they, they can suffer with eternal hope because of the grace of God. And God has graced us. Let me ask you, have you been graced by God? It's easy to forget these things, isn't it? And we start fussing about things and we forget how much we've been given by God's grace. I just challenge you to think about how you've been graced by God. You know, I was thinking just about folks in our congregation. Jim Cratch, you've been graced by God? Amazing grace, isn't it? Remarkable grace. And we could just go right down the row. We're just talking this, this morning about folks just growing up in different areas and, and, and the gospel came to them, lost loved ones and, and God sustained them. I, I just think about Jan Albright, you know, who, who, who just died recently. And I thought, if you told Jan 20 years ago, your husband's gonna die and you're gonna live alone for 20 years. You think she'd say, I don't know how that's gonna work. And yet God just met her need every way along the way, didn't, didn't he? And God's doing the same for you. God's graced you. And, 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 and Paul reminds us of that. John Newton thought about the grace of God and he called it amazing grace. Julia H. Johnston thought about God's grace and she penned the hymn, Marvelous Grace of Our Loving Lord nearly a hundred years ago, over a hundred years ago. Marvelous grace of our loving Lord, grace that exceeds our sin and our guilt. Yonder on Calvary's mount outpoured, there where the blood of the lamb was spilled. Sin and despair like sea waves cold threaten the soul with infinite loss. Grace that is greater, yes, grace untold, points to the refuge, the mighty cross. Dark is the stain that we cannot hide. What can we do to wash it away? Look, there's flowing a crimson tide. Brighter than snow you may be today. Marvelous, infinite, matchless grace, freely bestowed on all who believe. You that are longing to seek his face, will you this moment his grace receive? Grace, grace, God's grace, grace that will pardon and cleanse within. Grace, grace, God's grace, grace that is greater than all our sin. Aren't you thankful for God's grace, for the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ that Paul highlights in this verse? We've been, we've been graced by Christ. Okay, and, and again, what are we saying? We're simply saying, let's look at these things and see how that is true. Well, Paul mentioned secondly, after saying the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, he says the love of God. Interesting the order, right? Why is Christ first and God the Father second? Well, you know, it's really the Father that is sending the Son, right? And so the Son comes, but it's at the Father sending. It's maybe you might think of it as the order in which we've received it. But he mentions the love of God. 
the love of God is his choosing to give us benefit and favor based on his character, not our goodness. So think about, have you been loved by God? You've been graced by him. Are you, are you loved by God? Well, what verses do you think of? Come on, kids. What's the first one you think of, right? John three sixteen, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. The father loves us and sent the son. We've been loved by the father. Romans 5 says, while we were yet, while we were still helpless at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will hardly die for righteous man, though perhaps for a good man, some would dare to die. But God demonstrated his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. When we were unloving, pitiful, deserving God's wrath, God sent his son to die for us. He loved you. He loves you and he loves me. Ephesians again says, but God being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. First John says, see how great a love the father has bestowed on us that we would be called children of God. And such we are. For this reason, the world does not know us because it does not know him. Many, these verses and many others teach us of God's love for us. Have you experienced the love of God as a believer? Absolutely. In ways that we don't even understand we've experienced it. You know, I think about Marcia and my story and our families, our parents and our extended family. Marcia's father came to Christ when he was 33 years old. He was a drunk and, uh, and came to know Christ. And he never got over the fact that God loved him. He says, at 33, when Christ died is when I started to live. And I think about how God took that man. I think about Marcia's mom growing up in an unbelieving home and God saved her. Me and my family, my mom grew up in a broken home and yet God demonstrated love to hurt her sisters and brought them to church. My paternal grandfather was born of, of a womanizer and... Uh, just an incredible story, and yet God brought our parents to Christ, and God has brought us to Christ with a love that is amazing. Do you realize God loved you? Can you see the story of God's love in your life? Maybe your life hasn't gone every way you hoped, but uh, <laughs> I mean, I can remember one of my favorite songs is My Jesus, I Love Thee. I remember as a teenager, we used to sing that over at our church, and we sang that tonight. I was thinking, you know, I, I thought when I was a teenager that maybe I'd get to come work at the church. In fact, my senior yearbook, my, my prediction, you look it up in the yearbook 1985, the senior prediction for me was that I would, that I would become the youth pastor in our city. And Marsha was sitting next to me. Again, this was 1985. It says the future youth pastor of inner city Baptist church and his wife. It's in the yearbook in 85, four years before I got married. Um, and I think, yeah, I heard that song. I can remember singing that song one time in my shower. I'm singing, you know, you know, and I'm singing the song, and I think, yeah, it'd be neat if I could sing the song and, and, and be the youth pastor in our city. And God's let me do that. <laughs> and why is that? Because he's so kind. And, 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 and again, maybe your life hasn't worked out the way you hope, but God loves you. 
And when it's all done here on earth, he's got a home prepared for you with him forever. Is that awesome? You've been graced, you've been loved. And in verse 14, it says, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. You know what that is? That's the participation we have. The participation, the, the, the fact that God lives within us by his spirit. Fellowship is participation, partnership. And, and Paul highlights that as believers, we've been graced by Christ. We've been loved by God and we are indwelt by the spirit. Think of the work of the spirit in your life. John 16 says, but I tell you this truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come. But if I go, I will send him to you. And he, when he comes, will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. It is the Spirit's work to convict us of sin and bring us to Christ. 1 Corinthians 3 says, do you not know that you are the temple of God and the Spirit of God dwells within you? We're indwelt by God's Holy Spirit. And I love this in Ephesians 1, verse 13, it says, in, it says, in him, you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is given as a pledge of our inheritance with the view to the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of his glory. What is the spirit? He's, he's the seal He's, he's the authentication and he's the promise. He's the down payment that God will finally and fully save us, okay? We've been saved now. We've experienced the, the fact that our, the penalty of sin has been removed, but there's sin all around us. And one day, what will God do when we see Christ? We'll be made, what? Like him. And what's the promise of that? What's the guarantee that God will save you? His spirit who lives within you. He's the promise. He's the deposit. He's the pledge of our inheritance and the Holy Spirit lives within you. Hey, listen, does God live within you? He does, if you're a believer. And so we've, we've simply looked at these verses with an, with an attempt tonight to simply say, we want to see and savor, savor God's awesome provision in us. And we've simply wanted to, to look at these things and say, what has God done? First thing is simply that, that God has provided for us with an awesome provision, an awesome provision. What is it? Christ has graced us. God has loved us. And the spirit lives within us. He indwells us. Okay, the second thing then is, is so how should we respond? Seeing these things, how should we respond to this provision in our lives? Okay, so just three ways that we respond. Okay. Simply this, if you have been graced by Christ, if you have been graced by Christ, and you have, what should you do? Well, we're going to look at one passage for each of these, and maybe it'll give you some homework for this week. Maybe it'll be God's Spirit sitting on your shoulder with his word to help you, okay? Turn with me, if you will, to Titus 2. You would expect me probably to turn to Titus 2. If you have been graced by Christ, what should you do? You must Follow his teachings. If you've been graced by Christ, how should you respond? Well, follow his teachings. And Titus 2, 11 through 14 tell us that. And what's it say in Titus 2, 11? For the grace of God has appeared, 
The grace of God has appeared in Christ. He's appeared, bringing salvation to all men. So what do you do? Instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires and to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in this present age, looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Christ Jesus, who gave himself for us to redeem us from every lawless deed and to purify for himself a people for his possession, zealous for good works. If we've been graced by Christ, we must follow his teaching, the grace that he's given instructs us. And again, I'll let you just chew through that passage this week, but you know, you see the passage and it says that it teaches us to do what? To deny certain things, to say no. We must not do certain things. If Christ has saved us, then his grace teaches us there are certain things we can't do. Deny ungodliness and word desires but we are then to live, how? Sensibly, righteously, and godly. Sensibly, inward, godly, upward. Righteously, outward. That we are to live according to the grace of God. And his grace then teaches us that we look forward to his coming. He's coming, isn't he? And it could be today. And he's graced us that we deny ungodliness. We, we live a certain way and we keep our eyes up because he's coming back to receive us. And we look forward to that. Hey, listen, have you been graced by God? It's not just something that we do in the past. Paul says, may that grace go with you this week. The grace of Christ, may it teach you how you ought to live. Turn with me, if you will, to 2 Corinthians. Okay, back to 2 Corinthians, but this time go to 2 Corinthians 5. Again, these would be familiar passages and it would just simply be a way for us to respond to what has been provided for us. 2 Corinthians 5, 14, if we have been loved by God, then what? That love should, it should compel us. We must show his love to others. 2 Corinthians 5, 14 and 15, for the love of Christ controls us, having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died. He died for all so that they who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. If, if God has loved you, then that love compels you to serve Christ and to serve others. You, in essence, become a conduit of God's love through you to others. Again, we'd look at book of First John and we see some of the truths. If we know God and we've been loved by him, we ought to love others. And that love compels us. Hey, listen, as you go from here tonight and start into your work week and all the responsibilities that you have, Paul is saying, may, may the love that God's shown you go with you as you interact with others. Do they see the love of God in you? And then one last one, go to Galatians chapter five. Galatians chapter five. If we have been indwelt by the spirit and we have, then I would simply say to you based on Galatians 5, 16 through 26, that you must stay in step with the spirit. 
stay in step with his direction. Galatians 5, and again, it's a, a longer passage. I just, I give these three passages that, to help you as a way of applying and responding to what we have been provide, what has been provided for us in God and all his activity. But verse 16 of, of Galatians 5 says, but I say, walk by the spirit, keep in step with the spirit and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. And then he goes on to detail these things in 17 and the verses that follow. Verse 25 says, if we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us not become boastful and challenging one another, envying one another. So the Spirit dwells within us, and we must keep in step with the Spirit. You know, I, I tell you, I had, to, I had to ask the children's forgiveness Wednesday night. I work with Pathfinders. And I love kids. I love kids. I love you, right? You love me, don't you? Of course you do. I just, you know, I've been dealing with issues, and I just got snippy two, two, two Wednesdays ago. And I just fussed at them. And, and in that moment, the spirit was not controlling me. It was my own flesh. And I responded in a wrong way and had to deal with that. Is that hard for you to believe that that would be true of me? No, it's not, is it? All right. Because why? We have to keep in step with the Spirit, listen to the Spirit, be filled with the Spirit. The Spirit indwells us, but we must respond to that. I mean, isn't it amazing that the Spirit of God lives within you? He's the, he's the promise of the full payment of your salvation that you will be delivered one day, you know, and it's guaranteed. And yet we get off focus and we fail to walk in step with the Spirit. And so we must, we must, if we're indwelt by the Spirit, we must stay in step with his direction. So we come back, if you will, just go with me back to 2 Thessalonians, and let's wrap this up. The last verse of the last chapter. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. May we, by God's grace, take the truth of what God has done in us and for us and through us, and may we live like it this week, showing the love of God, showing the grace of Christ. And in our interactions, show the fellowship of the Spirit the harmony in which God has worked in us. One of the commentators say, with this picture, the great apostle spreading his hands over the Corinthians, with this profound New Testament benediction, his voice sinks into silence, but the benediction remains on our heart. May these things go with us all this week. May God help us. May God help us to live in light of what God has done for us as we live for him this week. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your love for us. It's easy for us to, in the middle of trials and pressure, to, uh, to fuss because life is challenging and it hurts at times. But Father, 
please work in us by your spirit as we've experienced the grace of Christ in your love and help us to live out these truths as we go throughout this week. Help us to be reminded that the grace that has come to us has come to teach us how to live and to look forward to Christ's return. The love that you have shown us ought to compel our service for you and be demonstrated to others in our lives that we would show your love for them. Father, that your spirit would have free reign in our life. In our church family, there would be a unity, a harmony that, that, that is the fruit of a spirit-filled life. And God, we pray that you would do this, that it would be with us all this week as we live for you. For your glory, we pray, and for our good. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.